Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another amazing episode of For the Love of Money. I am really excited for today's episode because I'm going to sit down with a friend of ours, Lori Kennedy, who is just this super badass, can-do-anything-making-it-happen single mom. And you're going to find as we do this interview, she actually hates labels. She, she doesn't like the label business coach. She doesn't like the label anything. She just wants to be known by Lori. But I have to classify her with all of those adjectives because she is amazing and her story is here to inspire you. I mean, she is so resourceful. She is just this can-do, no-limits-I'm-gonna-find-a-way type of individual that it's going to empower all of you to be able to do the same with your businesses because she got sick and tired of trading her time for money and did something about it by building an incredible online empire, but she's done it without having to do, be an extrovert. She's done it without having to be, you know, some of the personalities that you see out there doing it. And so I think that this episode is meant to inspire anybody who has excuses right now. I think it's meant to inspire anybody who has bumped up against, against a couple of roadblocks right now. I really believe that this episode is going to speak to people that need that extra little push from behind to get you to where you are meant to be going. You know, Lori Kennedy is not just a mom, but she is literally this beaming light of possibility. She has two foundational programs, the Wellness Business Academy and the Launch It Like a Boss Mastermind, which are both totally thriving. And she really specializes in working with health leaders, health practitioners. And, you know, she's trying to transform the way that healthcare is done all over the world. And guess what? She's doing it. She's also the host of the Business of Becoming podcast, which is totally crushing it. And it's aimed at entrepreneurs that want to build their business and the life of their dreams. So she is an expert in all things online business. And we're going to pick her brain to find out how she's succeeding, what works, what doesn't, why she's unapologetic about her pursuit of wealth and success, and why she loves doing campaigns, partnering with philanthropy. You guys are going to love this episode, so get ready, buckle up, take some notes, because here we go. Lori, thank you so much for being on. I'm really, really excited to talk to you today. Thanks so much, Chris, for having me. Likewise, I'm very excited for this. You know, like I had mentioned in the intro, you and I got to know each other in a mastermind, which is a great place to get to know somebody because you're really like bonding and locking arms and helping to grow each other's business. And I was so impressed by the businesses that you have put together. I couldn't wait to share them and the how-to and all that good stuff with our audience. Yeah, it's uh, that experience was really was really really unique, and I think we we all bonded over the fact that none of us felt like we should be there in the first place, which was really nice. <laughs> that was exactly my fears. Like, listen, this this is not where we're intending to go with this, but let's be honest. For everyone out there that's considering masterminds, that's considering you know linking up with people, if you feel 
like you're not good enough, if you feel like you're going to be the, the least successful person in the room or you're not going to have anything to offer, that's how we all felt walking into that room. And we didn't yeah. know it until we shared it. Yeah. All of us, every single one of us, like, and even the people who like have like, like Jim quick, like even those kind of people, like we're like, what, you feel like that too? What? I know he was one of those. So I'm like, what is this man ever going to want to learn from me? Like, how are we yeah. ever going to bond? Because he's so successful and yeah. he ended up being one of my favorite human beings in the world and one of my best new friendships. So like, it's just so interesting, like show yeah. up anyway, sign yeah. up anyway, because you don't know what you're missing. Totally. Yep. I love that. Okay. So listen, in my interviews, I start with rapid fire just to like build momentum. I feel like it's a fun way to help my listeners get to know you in a hurry. And if something really cool comes up, then we'll circle back around to it. You want to do it? Yes, let's do it. Okay, cool. So we're gonna start really easy. Where'd you grow up? In Thornhill, which is a suburb in Ontario in Canada. Uh, suburb of Toronto? It's like, I would say it's 45 minutes north of Toronto. Okay. And where do you live now? I live in Aurora, which is more north. <laughs> it's about, it's like, it's about an hour, I would say an hour and 20 north of Toronto. And what is one of your all-time favorite quotes? On the other side of fear is freedom. Mm, God, isn't that the truth? I love it. What is one of your superpowers? Uh, resiliency. I am super resilient. Oh God, that's so good. You have to be, to be successful, especially at the level that you are. Yes, what is it, it, one thing that you're afraid of right now? That my kids will grow up being spoiled. Mm, Lori and I talk about that a lot. We might have to circle around to that one. What mm -hmm. is one of your all time favorite books? Oh, um, Hmm. I love you forever. <laughs> What's that book? I love you forever by Robert Munch. It's like a kid's book, but every time I read it, I cry. <laughs> oh my God. That's awesome. There's so many yeah. kids books actually are great adult books. Like people have no idea what they're missing in kids books. Yeah. Dr. Seuss books. They're so good. Robert Munch and Dr. Seuss really are critical reading. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. They're really written for adults, like those hidden messages. Yeah, totally. A couple more. Uh, who is someone who has changed your life? Mm. Uh, my kids, for sure. My kids have changed my life. I love it. What is one of your all-time favorite accomplishments this far? Being able to um, purchase a house and pay the mortgage completely on my own. That is so badass. A couple more. What is one regret that you have? Mm, one regret that I have not, not starting my email list in 2007 <laughs> when huh. I started my nutrition business. <laughs> That's so funny. Lori and I were like late to the party on building an email list. And we yeah. felt like we were the last ones. Same. <laughs> That's a good, so I hope all the listeners out there, all you entrepreneurs are taking note of that. If you are not building your email database, you need to do that right now, but we'll probably go there in this conversation couple more. What is something generous that you have done recently? Um, so I have someone who helps me at home. Um, she's not like a housekeeper. She's, she's, you know, my person, um, in life actually. And so I sold a fridge that I had in my basement and, um, I just gave her the money for it. Um, and she was really thankful for that. 
That is so cool. I love that. That's exactly what this podcast stands for. So we're going to circle back around to that. Okay, let's go a bit, a little bit deeper now into the interview. Okay. Now, I really want to hear your story because you have a great story about, you know, having, quote, failure, and I'm just using mm-hmm. words, you know, from your own bio, and turning it into a massive success story. And, and if someone were to go to your website, it literally says across the top, something like you were trading dollars for hours, and, and mm-hmm. you know, now you're helping thousands of health professionals and online entrepreneurs build the business of their life. So let's go back. Let's go all the way back to when you were trading dollars for hours. Describe that part of your story to us. So I, first of all, I should go back a little further. I've, I've always been sort of my own boss. I've never actually been an employee except for when I was in high school and like working at the fish counter in the grocery store for three years. Um, so in, I've always been in the health industry and in 2007, I decided to go back to school. I was a personal trainer and become a registered holistic nutritionist because my clients weren't getting the results that they wanted. And I had my own digestive system issues that I had healed through working with a naturopath. And I just knew nutrition was the key. And so in 2007, I went back to school and I graduated and I felt like I had this secret knowledge that I needed to scream from the rooftops. And I also felt like I could heal everyone in the world because I knew how to heal like digestive system issues. And I rented a space in a chiropractic clinic because at the time that's the business model. You, you know, graduate with a health designation and you open a brick and mortar and have a clinic. And so at the time I wasn't going to open my own. I was young. I was 26, I think. And so I rented a space in a Cairo clinic and I had all my beautiful forms and my business cards and my brochure and my website. And for a year, I think I had seven clients like in the year. Oh my gosh. And yeah. And which was really disheartening because I was in this busy chiropractic clinic but I didn't know how to present myself and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. So I did a lot of free consults. I did dozens and dozens and dozens of free consults, but I didn't have the skill set at the time to invite anyone into a transformation, which is what, what I call like a sales call. Right. Yep. Um, and So a year in, I had to go to this chiropractor who was actually my chiropractor. So she was very nice. Um, and say, look, I can't afford to stay here. I'm in so much debt. Uh, will you let me out of my rental agreement early? And she was very nice. And I was, you know, trying to be really stoic. And I remember like, she saying no problem. And she signed the release. And I remember like biting my lips so hard, just like get to the car before you ball your eyes out. And I remember walking out of her clinic and getting into my car and just sobbing because I had spent a year trying to do this to the best of my ability at that time. And it didn't work. And I felt like a failure and I felt like a fraud because I had letters after my name. Like I have a designation. I have letters after my name. I should be able to help people. I have this amazing knowledge. What, what happened? And so I went back to the gym I started doing personal training again and, you know, I firmly believe that there's no such thing as coincidence. And I also firmly believe that as long as you're taking steps forward, the universe will like point you in the right direction. So lo and behold, the nutritionist that was working at the gym at the time 
got fired a month within a month of me coming back to the gym after like a two and a half year hiatus. And I, here I am. Okay. I'm a nutritionist. And they're like, okay, go fill her shoes. She had clients. They just fired her. And I had to literally step in and be her. (laughs) And that is, that's, that's when everything started to change for me. But it was after, I would say a year, year and a half of really not knowing that I didn't know what I was doing and failing at it. So let's go back to the time when you were in your car crying and you're trying to not cry until you got to your car. What were you really feeling like in that moment? Like how did you go from the lowest of lows in your career or so you thought to this person who saw light at the end of the tunnel? I felt really embarrassed actually. You know what? And that's a really good question and a really good distinction to make because it, I felt like a failure and I felt super embarrassed but I never felt like it wouldn't work out for me in the future, like quitting or going back to, you know, training or getting another job or whatever that actually never entered my mind. It, it, it never has since actually. Um, it was more like I was mortified. I had borrowed money from my dad, you know, here I was walking around being like, I'm an RHN, like, uh, you know, as if that meant something to anyone. <laughs> and, right. And I just had this ego about me at the time that was just like, I don't know. I can't, it's hard to describe. Like I, I felt like because I had those letters after my name that I deserved instant success and I didn't understand what it would take to get there. And so I was mortified and I was embarrassed and I, I, I didn't want to have to go back to personal training, but it was like the only thing I could do. Cause I had a mortgage, um, on my house that I had to pay and that's what I did. So yeah, that's, it wasn't, it wasn't so much fear that it wouldn't work out. It was more embarrassment that it hadn't that what I thought was going to be my like straight up line to success was really not, (laughs) it didn't turn out that way. Let's talk more about this actually, because a lot of people get stuck here. They think when I get this degree, when I get anointed, when I get these letters after my name, when somebody shouts me out, when, 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 that all of a sudden they're going to be successful. And of course you and I both know that's never the case yet. So many people are still stuck in when, so when, I guess I don't mean to use that word so much, but when did you actually learn how to become successful? Um, I'm still learning. So let's just put that out there. I think for me, you know, there's been so many um, levels of success. I think the word success, let's define it. It's really relative. It's relative to where you are in your journey, whether you're trying to transform your body or your bank account or your relationship with your friends, success is relative. And so when I went back to the gym, um, I was informed that I had sales goals that I had to meet and I didn't know how to sell. And so my first success point for me was being able to hit my quota month in and month out because I realized I was like, Oh, there's books that teach you how to sell. Like I remember going into the library, uh, the bookstore and buying Zig Ziglar's book on like how to sell back in like 2009. Uh, because they're like, you know, there's books for that. It didn't even occur to me that there'd be books for that. And I watched the personal trainer manager sell packages into the thousands of dollars. Never occurred to me that 
I would know how, like, I would have to know how to do that. And so that was my first benchmark, let's say, of success at that level, at that level of my own awareness. Because back then, the awareness that I have now didn't exist. The opportunity that I am now aware of in my mind back then, it didn't exist because for a variety of reasons, I didn't surround myself with successful people. It just wasn't in my awareness. And so the success that I strive to hit now is relative to where I am now and my awareness and all of the skill sets that I've acquired. But, but that would have been my first like successful benchmark is having the skills and the know-how and the practice to hit those sales quotas every month and feel really good about it and feel really confident about it. Mm, so good. You know what I love is you started to talk about sales and earlier in our conversation, you used a phrase I totally caught on to. You said you learned how to do sales calls or as you called them, inviting people into transformation. So many people have great businesses, but they struggle with sales. And, and you are a masterful saleswoman in your programs now, which is one of the reasons why people should want to learn from you. So talk to us about how you learned to sell. How, you, how did you learn to become comfortable with sales? Yeah, it's, it's, again, like everything in entrepreneurship, it's an ongoing learning, right? I don't think that I... I hope that I will never say like, oh, I've 100% mastered this because then something will happen to show me that that's not true. But um, how did I learn? It really has been, I think it's twofold. One, I do think that there's a formula. I think that there's a lot to be said for learning psychology of how people think and have of how they make buying decisions. I think that there's a lot to be said of learning sales psychology and watching other people who are masters of selling in entrepreneurship, outside of entrepreneurship in different industries, watching and studying them and their choice of words, their choice of tone. Tonality is a huge thing when it comes to sales. Tonality and speed, the, the speed with which you speak makes a huge difference when it comes to sales. Um, so studying and really modeling other people who have come before me. That's one way that I learned for sure. I've paid a lot of money to learn how to sell. Like I've taken sales training. I've read a lot of books. I've taken courses. It's not something that comes naturally because there is a formula to it and there is a strategy to it. And on the personal development side, I think experience matters so much. You know, when you're first starting, you don't have any proof of concept that your methodology or your product or whatever it is will work. So you feel really insecure about it. And so being able to speak out loud a price that you are not super confident in is really hard and people can tell, right? Like you're, you're really passionate and you're talking about your product. And then all of a sudden you go, and it's nine ninety seven, <laughs> right? Like, right? It's an energy, and totally. It's a, it's a, a massive energy shift because you're not super confident in in the transformation that whatever it is that you're selling that you can get for people. And so, one of the things I always say when people ask me, you know, what should I price my program? I said the dollar amount's actually irrelevant when you're starting. Price it at an amount that you can say out loud with confidence, Ooh. so that your energy doesn't shift. Whether that's ninety nine dollars or nine ninety seven, the dollar amount's actually irrelevant when you start, because you need this proof of concept. You need 
you need the testimonials for your own level of confidence, right? You need to know that you've put 50 people through a program or 50 people have bought in your thing and you've gotten the proof of concept that it works. And so therefore you're way more confident being able to say, yeah, I charge this amount of money because it's awesome, right? <laughs> without, feeling, without feeling like a fraud because you don't know if it's awesome yet. Oh my God, that is some of the best advice we've ever gotten on this show. I love it. It's so simple. Like price it at what is going to make you proud to say it because it's that yeah. swagger that's going to sell. Uh, that's what it is. It's confidence. Oh, it's confidence. I love it. Okay. So I interrupted your story. You know, you're, you're starting to finally learn how to do sales and get some confidence. You're starting to kick butt in the gym. When did you become this online sensation? It actually happened really organically. Um, I was, I had this weight loss program and at the time back in, I would say like 2010, 2011, I was running it as a group program, which was at least in my neck of the woods, like really unheard of specifically for a service provider where the business model is one-to-one, -one, right? Whether like back in the day, trainers, naturopaths, health coaches, nutritionists, like in the health field, we were all taught this one-to-one -one service model. And I had a newborn baby and I didn't want to be working, you know, the traditional split shifts, you know, uh, let's say seven to 11 AM and then four to 9 PM. Like I had a baby. And so I had to figure out a new way of running my business so that I could be home sometimes at night and still really be able to grow my business so that I wouldn't cap my earnings based on non-availability of time. Cause there's only like, you know, seven, 7 PM time slots. Like there's only seven days in the week and there's only one seven o'clock time slot. Um, and, and so that, so I was growing my weight loss program and it was in multiple locations. I had it in gyms and I had it in tennis clubs and I had it in about nine different locations. And so my colleagues started asking me, they're like, how are you doing this? What are you doing? will you teach me how to do what you've done? And I was like, sure, no problem. I didn't know at the time, like probably most of us happens, you know, organically at the beginning. I didn't know at the time that I had a signature talk. I didn't know at the time I had a funnel. I didn't know that stuff. It just came naturally to me. It just made sense to me because my whole thing was I'm lazy and I don't want to give energy to repetitive tasks. And so I started teaching them. Um, and I remember I ran my first training in, uh, June of 2011. My daughter at the time was like almost three. My son was like four months old, three months old. And I had all these people pay me through PayPal, uh, to join this thing called a webinar <laughs> through like Citrix go to webinar. And I think I made like $7,600 from literally like all these different nutritionists and naturopaths and people who just wanted to learn what I was doing. Uh, because at that point I had been doing it for years and I was able to grow it and I had nutritionists working for me and running groups elsewhere. And so that's what I did. And that was my first experience in terms of like, I'm using my air finger, my like finger quotes, <laughs> business coaching, you know, um, which I don't totally identify with, but business coaching and, and training other people to run the model, which I didn't know was a model at the time to run the model of having like a group program or a signature program so that you can get out of this, you know, dollars for our, 
uh, hamster wheel. I love that. And you know, everybody has that wake up moment, right? Where they're like, dang it. All I can do to make more money is work more or increase my prices. And both of those have a ceiling and I don't like where that ceiling's at. And I'm sick and tired of being away from my kids or I'm sick and tired of being away from my significant other. Everybody <laughs> has that moment. And that was your catalyst. By the way, you just said something really cool. You said, um, you don't really identify with the term business coach. What do you identify with? At the moment, nothing. It's a weird feeling. Like people, people call me a business coach and that's what I do. I, 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 I'm a business teacher, I would say. Um, but I think because it comes naturally to me, it doesn't feel like a good title. Um, these days I'm just trying to go with Lori because I, I think there, you know, like there's a lot like mom, business coach, um, entrepreneur. Like I feel more like an entrepreneur. I think I self-identify with that more than I would like a business coach. Um, I, I think maybe trainer would be better. I, I don't know. I don't, I think there's buzzwords. I don't know. I, I think you have it right. You, you self-identify with Lori. Like why does it have to be defined beyond that? Cause it's yeah. probably going to keep changing anyways. Yeah, totally. I mean, it was nutritionist. Now it's business coach. Who knows what's going to be in five years, right? So, like for, for seven years I was a nutritionist and that's how I identified. And, and listen, all of us ambitious people, we are always like morphing into what's the next project. What's the next area of expertise? What's the next thing, right? That would be fun to do right. and bring out to the world. So it's an ever changing thing anyway. So I kind of like that. You're like Madonna. You're like, I just need a name and it doesn't matter what I do. I'm just going to be <laughs> yeah, famous for yeah. doing it. Totally. I love it. So let's talk about being a single mom because one of the reasons that you wanted to come home and not trade your time for money anymore is your kids. Yeah. And as a single mom, let's be honest, you have probably more time consuming responsibilities than somebody like Lori and I. Right. So how do you make that work? Like inspire everybody out there who has some kind of excuse like, well, I'm a single mom. You don't get it. I'm a single dad. You don't get it. Oh, I have this. You don't get it. I have that. You don't get it. Because at the end of the day, when we look at how successful you've been, they're just excuses. They, you know what? They totally are. However, I think that some of them are, you know, more valid than others. I, I can't, you know, yes, I'm a single mom for sure, but I have an amazing support system. So how do I do it? It's hard, like hard. Um, I'm like, you know, two years into being a single mom, although I was single when my son was born and we, you know, tried to work it out and it just didn't happen. So I feel like I've been single momming it for a long time. Um, I have an amazing support system. So as much as I'm, you know, single parenting, their dad is very much in the picture. Um, and my parents are super helpful and I have an amazing community of moms around me in my physical area that like I know at any point, you know, we call it co-momming. That's what we call it because we co-mom like, oh, I can't pick the kids up today. Can you grab my kids from daycare or, oh, can you take my kid to swim? Something happened like I we've built that for ourselves because we're moms and we need that support system. So I I, I recognize that my situation is not like everyone else's. A lot of people don't have, even if you're married, like a lot of people don't have parents or family close by to like help with the kids, 
right? So, I have a lot of friends who, who don't have that luxury. So can we go there though? Because most of what you described, this network you've put together of co-momming and all that, that is part of your question when I said, or your answer when I said, what is one of your superpowers? You said resiliency. And I would yeah. also add resourcefulness in there. Yeah. These are things you yeah. put together. Like, listen, somebody may not live next to their parents to help out, but there's other things they can do to be resourceful and to create this network. Yes. And that's exactly what you've done. And you even mentioned uh, when I said, what's something generous you've done recently? You said you have a, a house manager. You didn't use that title, but you know, you're, you're a person, as you said. Yeah. And they help you with everything around the house. Hey, listen, you built yourself into a point where you could select the right person in order to free you up to either be a kick butt mom or a kick yes. butt businesswoman, whatever mood you're in in the moment. So let's, let's acknowledge that you built this support system. It didn't fall out of the sky and that yes. other people can as well. Yes. And I think that there is something to be said for like where there's a will, there's a way Yes, for sure. Um, you know, uh, for me, it, it's a combination of things. It's a combination of I'm relentless. Like I am unapologetic about wanting to make boatloads of money and have an extraordinary life despite my circumstances. Also recognizing that my circumstances are much better off than you know the average person because of the community that I have and the support that I have that I've built, but still, right? Like everybody has their different starting point. Um, but I am relentless in that way. Like I will wake up at 4 a.m. if I need to. And I woke up at, I wake up at 5 a.m. every single day. And I have since 2012 because that's when I get my work done because my work day can go sideways any day of the week because I have kids right? And meetings and people wanting things for me. And I wasn't, you know, in order to build something, you need to get into the flow. You need to have time to actually do the work. And so I had to figure out very quickly how to navigate the raising of my children with the growing of my business. And it took a really long time for me. And it's still really hard for me. Like, even as you said, house manager, I kind of cringed. Um, it's hard. It's hard to ask for help. It took me a long time. Like I just hired her because last year really, really was hard. Like really, really hard. My kids are getting older. There's homework. My son, it plays hockey five times a week. We're running to arenas. My daughter does a whole bunch of things. Like I, there's homework, there's projects. I was having a hard time keeping up with all of the things that a mom and a business owner needs to keep up with. It was too much for me. And so before I broke, I was like, okay, let me acquire some help here. Um, and I think that's a really big lesson. It's like, I actually learned, you know, if I was to rewind years ago, I would have waited until I had a complete and utter breakdown before asking for help. <laughs> and, and, and so that's for me a success. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm recognizing that I'm not coping well with my current season of life, I need help. And yes, I am at a place where I can afford that. And that's amazing. Um, and if I wasn't, I would have figured it out anyway. I would have asked, I would have booked my kids with more play dates. I would have carpooled more. I would have figured it out because I last year was very hard and I wasn't coping well. And I wasn't showing up in a way that I was super proud of because I felt like I was drowning. From somebody who is outside looking in, 
when I hear your answers, all I hear is resourcefulness. All I hear is grit. All I hear is determination and intention. You said it yourself. You would find a way anyways. You just described that you get up at 5 a.m. to make it happen when everyone else sleeps until 7 and they wonder why yep. their business isn't happening. Well, there's two hours a day. That's 14 hours a week. That is you know, basically 60 hours a month of business building or putting yourself first or whatever it is that you do first thing in the morning. Like, you need to acknowledge the fact of how amazing your choices are. And the simple fact that it's hard for you to ask for help, that's something I struggle with as well, but you do it anyways, is the difference between you having this thriving, thriving online business and everyone else who is still wondering why it's not happening for them. Yeah, totally. And thank you for saying that. And I, I really do appreciate that. And I think that one of the sort of dirty little secrets of entrepreneurship is people go into it with these rose colored glasses because of Facebook ads, because honestly of how quote unquote easy we all make it look in our Instagram feeds, mm -hmm. right? Like we all make it look roses and yes, we talk about the dark side too, but probably not enough. And I think so many people go into this, not really understanding the grit and the hustle. And I'm going to use that word. I know it's like, People are like, oh, you don't need to hustle. And I'm going to call BS on that because when you're building a business from the, the ground up, the first couple of years you do, maybe not in year five or six, but you do at the beginning. And I think if you're ambitious and you want to have massive impact in the world, that drive and that determination, that, that doesn't get any uh, less, hardcore just because you're successful. There's always a next level, right? There's always a next level that you want to achieve. That's why I was saying like success is relative, right? And so yes, it's it's amazing and and whatnot, but you have to go into it with the assumption that it is going to be the hardest journey you likely have ever experienced or one of, I should say one of the hardest journeys that you'll ever experience. I love that you comment on that because now people at least know what to expect and they know that they are normal when they yeah, feel normal. like it's tough. You know, I think most people live in this story that it's so tough. I can hardly make it happen. I have more losses than wins. Maybe I'm not cut out for this when that's actually normal. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, welcome to entrepreneurship. <laughs> totally. Totally. I, I had a funny post the other day in my IG stories. I'm like, I want to go back to corporate America just for one week for a break because like <laughs> people have no idea how hard it is. <laughs> it's so funny. I was actually just talking to someone and she was telling me about how she was feeling. And I'm like, look, you know, we're really like, I'm a, I'm a high sensitive person. So I'm an empath and I'm, I'm really like a high sensitive person. And I said to her, and so was she, and I said to her, look, some of the things that you're feeling aren't blocks you need to work through. There's nothing actually wrong with you. It's called entrepreneurship and it's normal. She was like, really? I'm like, yeah, the feeling like the bottom is going to like come out from under you at any point. I'm like, that's not you. Like there's nothing wrong with you. You don't have anxiety about that particular thing that's called entrepreneurship. Like it's part, you know, you have this amazing life and these highs, and you have the other side that comes along with it to sort of balance it out for you. Mm, such a good conversation. Before we take a departure from being a parent who is in business, I want to ask you one more question. When I did the rapid fire, one of your answers, when I said, what is one of the things you're afraid of? Your answer was uh, raising your kids to be spoiled. 
And the reason why I want to circle back around to this is Lori and I talk about this. You know, we're going to have kids one day and they're obviously going to grow up in privilege. Mm -hmm. And I live in a community where, you know, high school kids literally drive new Ferraris to high school. Like it's an everyday (laughs) thing. So how you're obviously, you know, wildly uh, successful in business. Why are you concerned about kids growing up being spoiled? And how are you raising them as an entrepreneurial parent uh, so that they turn out the way that you're hoping. So why am I concerned about it? Because they're growing up with massive privilege and they have no awareness that they, as of yet, that they have it. And, um, I've spent a lot of time traveling the world. I work with amazing nonprofits that we believe in that work with significant, uh, like third world developing countries for water and, and education and healthcare. And my kids are growing up in suburbia in a really safe, really privileged area. Um, they get to go on trips, you know, several times throughout the year. They want for nothing, my children. And to them, it's normal. You like go into the store and you whip out your debit card and you like tap it and you buy things. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't understand that that's not actually normal. And then that's not how the majority of the world lives, right? With like ease of use, how we can just go into a health food store and, you know, drop money on supplements or whatever the case may be. And I recognize that they're growing up in this way and to them it's normal, except it's not normal. It's massively privileged and they need to know the difference so that they don't feel entitled and spoiled. And so how we're doing that, um, they're, they're at an age now where now I can really start to educate them and involve them in activities and trips and fundraising things and, and using the internet as a resource. They're, 10 and seven. And so now they're really starting to understand. And now we can, I can really educate them more and really get them involved in things that they even care about. Um, so that they feel like they have ownership over whatever it is that, that we're doing. And from like a home perspective, they have chores and they earn money. And if they want to buy something and they don't have any money, they can't buy it. Um, and so we, you know, they have to earn their money and they, my daughter, for example, who's turning 10, she's starting to now like go places with her friends. She has money that she's earned. And if she doesn't earn it, she has no money. And that's just the way that it is. Um, so there's, it's something that's top of mind for me all the time because my son plays hockey and he's on a hockey team and that's privilege, right? Yep. Costs a lot of money. My daughter did gymnastics for a while. That costs like it's just very top of mind for me um, because they are growing up in such a way that they really, like I said, they want for nothing. And as they get older and as they get more mature, we'll I'll be able to do more things with them that introduce them to the concept that it's not normal. Um, but it, it's, it's an ongoing conversation with them. To the best of my ability, I'm trying to learn as much as I can in terms of, you know, how to raise them so that they're not entitled, spoiled brats, right? Who feel like the world owes them something because that's how they grew up. Mm, I love this. And, and so I just want to put a bow on this topic by telling all the listeners, the part you didn't get to hear is 
right as we're getting ready for this show, she's like, oh, hold on a second. That's my daughter calling me and I've got to take this phone call before we start the podcast. And then, you know, you miss the call and you're trying to call her back and she's trying to call you back. That <laughs> is so normal. So if anyone out there is freaking out saying, I could never be on the show, like I've got kids that I've got to have these phone calls with or I've got to follow up on this. No, you like you just, you, all of the above. The answer is all of the above. That's the real life version behind the scenes. Yeah, totally. I loved that. Okay. So now let's kind of take a, a sidestep into, and here's a good segue. You talked about kids growing up in privilege and success and all this stuff. One of the things you've done so well is you've done a lot of charitable campaigns in your marketing. What's been one of your most successful ones? And quite honestly, why do you do these? Um, why do I do them? Because I grew up in a nonprofit household. So my parents founded um, a nonprofit called Safe Haven Home for Community Living, and they had they were able to build um, respite homes all over the city for children who have severe physical and mental disabilities who couldn't live at home. Um, and so I grew up in that life. I grew up in that life uh, seeing, you know, God only gives you what you can handle, and really watching my parents rise despite, you know, having a daughter who had severe mental and physical disabilities. And so from the time I was seven years old, that was my life. And we, my parents, along with five other families that like, built this nonprofit that now has group homes and respite centers all over the city. Um, so that's really where it came from. That's how I was exposed to it from a very young age. And I grew up like with that ingrained in me that you do good for other people who can't. And so one of the most successful philanthropic ventures that we've done is with a massive organization called uh, We, or From Me to We, I don't know if you're familiar, it used to be Free the Children. And they help people who want to do good make doing good easier. And so they have different segments, I guess, of their organization. They have a for-profit side and a non-profit side. And the for-profit side funds the non-profit side, which is super cool. And so we wanted to build schools. Um, education is massively important to us. And we wanted to build schools. And so we partnered with WE. And we said, okay, how much you know, does it cost to build one school? And I said, okay, if my community can fundraise one school, we'll match funds so we can build two. And it just so happens that at that point, they also had a private donor who was willing to match funds up to a million dollars. So we were able to like actually do some really good stuff. And each school was $10,000 to build. And so what we did was we put it out to my community and, I, and we said, look, we're going to give you um, bonuses at every different dollar level. So we had like a $250 level. We had a $5 and a $10, $250, like different denominations up to $1,000. And the $1,000 for anyone who donated $1,000, we did like a group one day mastermind. And so actually we sold it out really, really fast, faster than we thought because seven people were like, I want to come to your one day mastermind and just donated $1,000. And so the goal was to raise 10 grand and within like two days, we had already <laughs> raised seven. Um, and so, and then we matched funds. So we were able to build two schools um, in Uganda um, and in Africa for, with we, 
um, for these kids. And then the donor matched funds again to, so bringing the total up to $40,000. So this way the school was able to like be self-sufficient and and self-sustaining right off the bat. And it was a really fun campaign because it united my community so much so that we're giving them updates on like how the progress is going and they feel like they partnered with us in this initiative, which they totally did. And it re- it was fun. It was exciting. We felt really proud about it. Everybody felt really proud, whether they donated or not. We made it very clear that we're able to do this because they invest in our products and services. And we were so grateful for that. And so it really was like this full circle moment for me, especially because I was like, wow, we're at a place right now where a, I can just, you know, invest $10,000 and not really have it make me nervous, you know, like when you go and make a big investment in your business um, and we can do it again and again and again. And so that was the most, I think, impactful um, campaign that we've done to date. Mm, what does it mean to you to be able to do this? You know, it was like it didn't sink in for a while. Um, until they showed us the pictures of like where the site would be. And I was like, and my whole team and I, like we were just crying because we work hard, right? We work hard. And I'm sure like most of you listening, it's not often that you're getting like massive amounts of thank yous, right? Like sometimes people will thank you or they'll send you like notes and they'll send you like loves, you know, gifts of appreciation. But to do something like this, to like physically see the impact, um, to know that we've gotten the company to a place where we can sustain these types of campaigns, like talk about success, like success that, that to me was like, okay, I've made it. I've made it. We've now run like a massive philanthropic campaign, even to use that word philanthropic, um, that felt like success to me more than like hitting any like financial benchmark. Like that to me was like the definition of success that we were able to, you know, be a self-sustaining company and give this money was just so incredible. Mm, I freaking love that. I love that. That's what you're all about and that's what you're doing. Now, where is all this money coming from? I mean, obviously you're crushing it online, but how did you get to the point where you were really this efficient at being able to launch these courses that help people grow and actually have them take off? So the money comes from like different revenue streams. Um, there's an aspect of my business where we sell like done for you programs for health practitioners who don't want to take the time to create things like detoxes or weight loss programs. And then there's this other aspect of my company where we actually teach people, health practitioners, uh, and I would say lifestyle wellness people as well, um, how to create their own signature programs, how to automate their businesses, and how to launch programs and products online. So part of it is digital products, and part of it is really training and services uh, that we offer at scale at this point, And that took many years to get to this place, but we can, we're now able to do it at scale. So we have literally hundreds of people going through our programs every single year. I freaking love that. Now, 
so many people try to make money online and they fail. What is it that you teach that brings so much success? How have you cracked the code? So there's a couple things actually, but I think the biggest thing is being able to really communicate that you have a methodology that works. So the mistake that I see a lot of people making, regardless of whether you're in the health industry or your branding or you're this or you're that, you're trying to sell features like PDFs or a Facebook group or live group coaching or even an event. Um, what people will whip out their credit cards for is a result. And that's really hard to communicate. Like it's hard to concisely communicate the methodology that you use to get people a singular and specific result so that they're like, yes, I want that. Give me that. And then they'll pay for it because it's very clear to them. So having, having a program or product or service that, that is proven to get a singular and specific result. And I keep using those words again and again, cause it matters, um, that, and being able to communicate what that result is that, that that's the secret that most people struggle with. You know, what's fascinating is you're like, Hey, I hate keeping using the, these words, you know, singular and specific, except I feel like that's where Lori and I go wrong in our marketing. A lot of times is you, you know, sometimes you're saying too much to too many people. And yes, so you've literally just given people the secret. And, and quite honestly, this is where fear kicks in. And I remember yeah. one of your answers in the beginning of this conversation was something along the lines of on the other side of fear is something is one of your favorite quotes, but yeah. fear kicks in that, wait, if I only talk to this one specific deliverable, I'm going to miss yeah. so many people. So talk to us about getting past that. So birds of the same feather flock together. So if you want to really scale your business and automate and really get good, like good, like masterful good at something, you have to stop doing all the things, right? And so what we've learned over the years is if we just focus on one thing or two things that we do really, really, really well, we actually can grow much faster because we're not, we're not, you know, diverting attention to over here one day and over here the next day and over there the other day when we're, we're really just focusing on this one thing and we're launching it over and over and over again and iterating it over and over and over again until it becomes amazing. Right. And when it becomes amazing, that's when you have people, literally your clients, your peers literally selling it for you. It becomes so much easier because it becomes this known thing that delivers this one singular and specific known result and birds of the same feather flock together. That makes so much sense. And so I've got to turn the question on you. What do you deliver, you know, the most and who do you deliver it to with your courses? Okay, so we work with alternative health practitioners and the number one thing that we deliver the most is the methodology to create a signature program that sells. Because in my industry, in health, we are taught a lot, we are taught very little about a lot of things. So we touch the surface on a lot of things and in my experience, health practitioners need help to connect their personal experiences and their professional education and turn it into a methodology 
that they can then use as the foundation of their business. And so that's what we do. We're like, okay, what do you want to talk about? What's the problem that you solve? Now let's turn it into a methodology and put a brand around it. I love that. That's your business. And by the way, I hope everyone caught how simple that was for you to describe, for you to answer. I mean, you didn't say, I help all practitioners and all entrepreneurs and all this and all that. No, you said, I help health practitioners do this, this, and this. I freaking love that. So people's goal should be to become as ninja as you are at communicating the, what'd you call it? The singular and specific thing. Yeah. The singular and specific outcome that you give to one type of person of which there are hundreds and thousands of. Mm, I love it. Where can people find more from you? Um, you can go to the wellnessbusinesshub.com and you can also catch me on Instagram at Lori Kennedy Inc. Guys, make sure you go follow her because she is full of epic knowledge like this. If before I ask you the last question, I just want to tell you a funny story. So, um, you are not a loud, crazy extrovert, at least in my experience with you. I am not. So when I met you in the mastermind at first, um, because you didn't come across with that loud, look at me swagger. I I hope you take this right way. I was blown away when I found out how incredibly awesome you are at business and at, you know, online programs and creating change in human beings and just the sheer mass number of people that you work with when you do a launch and how they come pouring in. So I just want to tell you, it was a huge inspiration because I'm an introvert, Lori's an introvert, is a huge inspiration that I don't care if you're an introvert, extrovert, I don't care if you are loud or quiet, I don't care if you're shy or bold, it, nothing matters except for did you hone your craft and get good at it. Yeah, yeah, and I appreciate that, and thank you, and thank you for saying that. I joke that I, I'm an introvert, but I play the role of the extrovert on the internet because that's <laughs> just the way it has to be, right? I love that's it. That's the way it has to be. <laughs> uh, I think I think we all do that. That's awesome. Yeah. You just gave permission to so many people to succeed. All right, the last question is this, and you already used the term unapologetic, and it happens to be my my very last question I ask everybody, and that is, why should people be unapologetic? about their pursuit of wealth and success. Because otherwise life is freaking miserable. Like why should they be? Because we only get one shot. We only get one shot and it's fleeting and we never know what's going to happen or you know, life throws us life throws us curveballs all the time. So why not just, you know, be unapologetic about it? And do it in a way that is full of integrity and do it in a way that's fun so that life doesn't suck. Mm, I love it. That is awesome. It's an incredible answer. Everything that you gave was epic knowledge. I thank you so much for your time, Lori. Well, thanks for having me. This is great. Totally my privilege. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.